welcome to the Women's Rugby Pod. Near the end of the Six Nations with the lady herself, Rachel Burford. I'm Johnny Hammond. Welcome everyone. Another great show ahead of us. We've got reviews and previews birth of round four, round five of the Six Nations. There's quite a bit of news to get through as well. It's just wave after wave of women's rugby at the moment. It's brilliant, isn't it? Uh, all in the sunshine. We've got Emily Scarrett, the lady of the moment, coming on the pod as well to talk about her 100th cap. Um, and also MBA. MBA, indeed. <gasps> oh, oh good job you're a good editor, so you can edit that out. Honestly, she probably won't come on now. We haven't mentioned the <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Consent, respect. Um, we're also going to get the number of her scriptwriter uh, because we all want that person. Um, <laughs> And we're going to have a little look at um, the situation down in New Zealand as well. There's been a few movements down in there. As I say, news from the World of Sevens, Langford this weekend. A bit of English league news to bring you up with and cup news as well. But let's get into it then, Berth. First of all, I mean, we're we're all on tender hooks. (laughs) Is the flooring done? Um, Not done. But it's well on its way. I mean, we've got the main area and they're doing the kitchen today. So I have no access to a kitchen for a couple of days. And I haven't had access to the washing machine since last week. So we've got like three baskets of washing. I mean, yeah, I could go on and on if you want, Johnny. (laughs) But no, we're on our way. It looks great. And it won't take too much longer. Although the Tylers are going fishing on Friday for a week. So we lose them for a week because they're going on holiday. So you have to wait another week till they get back. Right, yeah, I mean, for the sake of me and the viewers, no no, no need to go on at all. Um, (laughs) That is more than enough. This is how round five lines up for you, ladies and gentlemen, in the 2022 Six Nations. On Saturday, we have Wales against Italy at 12 o'clock noon. These are all local times. France against England at quarter past two. And then in the evening, over in Ireland, they host Scotland. Looking back for the first part of the show, as we said, round four, the results on Friday evening. Wales went down 33 points to five to France. Uh, Italy got their first win of the campaign over Scotland. And England, after being only 10-0 up at half-time over Ireland, put on 69 points in the end. In front of just 100. 60 shy of 16,000 people. We'll get into that in one second. Predictions from last week, Rachel Burford. Uh, you predicted England by 66. Very good. I said 62. Rachel Burford said Scotland by 9. JH said Italy by 2. Uh, Rachel Bever said France by 14. Joe said France by 12. So we're, we're all right at this thing. People might yeah, not too bad. We actually think we kind of know what we're talking about. Anyway, far <laughs> more importantly, um, 16,000 at Welford Road. Great ga- ground. It looked fabulous. It, it genuinely was. Like, we was, I was stood there talking. I, I was there at 9 a.m., um, and there wasn't many people there at 9am, but 
all the people, all fans, young, young, old, families, whatever, were there before the players were even warming up. Like they want to be there to watch the players, help build the atmosphere, you know, really make a day and an event of it. And it just had this real kind of bubble around it of we're building something here and it just got greater and greater and greater. And then come the the kickoff, it it just felt unbelievable. It felt like I had a look around. Actually, I was doing um, radio comms for Five Live and I took my headphones on just before the anthems because I wanted to hear it and feel it and see it. And I've never felt like that in a in England. I've experienced that in other countries, like when we played against New Zealand, not the anthem, but just the atmosphere. We played just before um, the British and Irish Lions. So that atmosphere, when I played in that France game that currently holds the record, when I've even played in a final in Dubai Sevens, for example, but I've never, ever had that experience in the UK and it was unbelievable. And it just made me flash towards 2025 and thinking about what this country could achieve in terms of fans and engagement and crowds for the Rugby World Cup. It just, I just got so excited and so, you know, felt really proud of where our game's gone in, in, in what feels like such a short space of time. It kind of feels like, you know, we had COVID and then, obviously had no fans no nothing then we had the autumn building nicely bigger crowds and then all of a sudden bang we've got fans following the red roses around you know two weeks ago we set a record and then another two weeks later we've set another record and I just think I'm just blown away about where it is at the moment and the the fact that the players get that opportunity to play in front of so many people and the, the fans genuinely love the players and that's all down to them, you know, sticking around after signing autographs, having, um, you know, little small conversations, giving away socks, giving away a shirt, you know, those kind of things that create memories for for young people and older people to to want to come back and, and be a part of, of the, the whole journey. Oh, <laughs> quite emotional after that. And that was that was proper from the heart. What an art to what an occasion. I think female rugby fans, and I don't mean females, but women's rugby fans, are invested. Mm. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that men's rugby fans aren't invested, but and, and I think that comes from one of your points that you made there. And, and it say started by England, but yeah, you're very much there for, for all to see with the England players. But yeah, they spend all that time post-game. To, to go round and hours and hours and hours afterwards. And yeah, quite a few people in my line of work in the media, mainly men, and you're working on the men's game, and then they, they cross over to, to the women's. And they, they're blown away by that, and you can't quite believe it. I mean, we've known it's been there for many years. And as I say, it's not exclusive England at all. Of course it isn't. But but you, you feel a small part of it. And, and therefore, yeah, you buy in fully. And um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Since lockdown, it's just poof. Um, mm. But we... We mustn't uh, forget, and, and, and indeed on Saturday they didn't, did they? Um, really, really special section of, of the crowd. Feels like it has kind of exploded post-COVID, absolutely. But again, just mustn't forget, you know, that first record crowd, that first game, league game on television, that first international on television, whatever it was, you know, that, that first game at Twickenham, all, all those kind of things have built up to, to kind of where we are now. But it, we are... It, I say we, the game is in in a brilliant, brilliant space. And um, 
yeah, this weekend will hopefully be be the cherry on top. But talk, talk to us about those those four hundred women, um, Burfu who played, uh, I don't know, for England or regional level. Uh, they all had caps on, which I, I think Jill Burns, MBE, uh, had a hand in doing, didn't she? Of course. Um, what a totem pole of a lady she is, not physically, but uh, in lots and lots of different ways. But truly touching scenes um, and so, so right to be recognised. So bravo to the RFU and everyone else involved in doing that. It was, that was really special. Yeah, it really was. And I obviously knew that they were all in the crowd, in the crowd and um, we saw them on the big screen a few times. And I'll come back to the actual story about them in a moment. But I was actually coming, walking across from one side of the pitch to the other and I saw a couple of them and like, oh, come over, come over. And honestly, I just stood there in front of all of them as they were getting um, in front of the post to have a photo. And I was like, oh my God, just pointing at different people that I'd either played with or watched, played, or, you know, even because it was all different representative levels and it was just so incredible. And, you know, straight away, banter started flying around, you know, one of the players, I was like, oh, what's going on now? She's like, oh, I'm not sure, you know, Burnsy still bossing everybody around like she was as a captain, you know, <laughs> that's where to go. You know, everybody, we're all making out she knows that she's she's in charge, but that's what she thinks, isn't it? Like that type of thing. It was just so amazing. And, um, Giselle, Giselle Maver had her 1994. So on the day of the game, on the 24th of April in 1994, England women won the World Cup and Giselle Maver has the original shirt. Wow. She was wearing it that night and it was like Swiss Live, had the, the World Cup on it and the number 12 on the back. And it was just incredible. Um, and yeah, I was like just in awe and felt incredibly lucky that, I was part of that for a very split second, but so the the four hundred of them. So obviously the 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 players from nineteen ninety four World it was Cup, World Cup wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of had a um, a reunion as well. But then uh, quite a few months ago now, um, Burnsy put a message out saying, you know, want to create caps for anybody who didn't get the recognitions or receive them, and and you don't back then you didn't receive them in county level or uh, maybe university, etc. So she went out of her way to kind of source someone in order to have them made. So if you played it for, let's say for Kent, I could have said, can you get a Kent cap made up for me? And by that time, she obviously had over 400 and there were people that couldn't make the day that also asked for a cap as well. So you had all these different levels from county to regional level, um, all the way up to international, the Lionesses that toured, I, I don't know what year they toured, but, and it was just incredible. And, you know, I was just in like complete awe and it was really like, we talk always about, Oh, they're a legend of the game. They're this, they're that. But Jill Burns genuinely is the queen of our game. Like she continues to do special things like that. And I got a text from one of the Quinns girls saying, Oh my God, she was in the bar last night. She got the guitar out she was singing and she did the worm. I mean, Oh my God, she's unbelievable. And like, she obviously touched a lot of people's heart playing but now she still does that you know when she's long time retired and it's just yeah it was such a special occasion and it just it just reminded me that we have to do more of that like have to recognize our past and understand where we've got to and why and who set that for us yeah and because it just it's gotten absolutely no recognition at all i mean yeah, Jill made the point, and um, yeah, it was very Jill made the point in her halftime interview, didn't she? Um, that you know the, the the women's union was separate from the RFU, weren't even allowed in the RFU, uh, and she made that point when when back when she was playing. Um, 
so yeah the, these things have to be recognized and continue to 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 do that kind of thing it's it's very very important but um no very very special and um yeah bravo to 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 all who made that happen uh it was also bravo to uh emily scout leanne riley 50 caps brilliant for for her obviously you know her very well from her harlequins days but um let's get into emily scout just talk to us her as a player her as a person yeah well i think her playing ability speaks for itself every single time every time you know how many players you know play for their country that amount of times but are world class that amount of times like are the best player on the pitch that amount of times you know she is literally one of a kind one in a generation type of player um and she, she's just got this kind of aura around her that makes you feel even if you're not in control we will be or we can get back in control or you know she and she she takes that weight so elegantly and nothing seems to face her you know and I just think that is a it shows unbelievable character of who she is and how she goes about her business you know to have the injury that she had which was horrendous you know basically my little finger but on your leg like I should not even be whinging one little bit about my finger compared to her what she did to her leg but yet when she came back she was world class straight away there was no, oh, she's going to need a couple of games to find herself in. Bang, straight away made an impact for Loughborough. Bang, straight away made an impact in England training. And so that's her as a rugby player. But like as a person, she's just so incredibly humble. She'll do anything for anybody. She'll support um, any player around her. Um, and, you know, she doesn't need to... She's the type of player that will just speak up when she feels it's needed. She'll allow others to do what they need to do. And if she feels that something needs to be simplified or brought back to focus, then she will. But she's, you know, she's all about doing. She's all about being out there and being the best that she can be. And and for me, she's always, you know, she's so competitive. She won't give that off, but she is ultra competitive about every little thing that she does. Um, but she's so good at playing poker. Um that you don't know that she's not bothered. I mean, just watching her and Mo sometimes when they play pool or they play darts, like Mo wears it all over her face, gets angry if, if Skaz goes up by a point or whatever. But like Skaz is just calm all the way through. And even when she wins, she just has that like little look in her eye. Like, of course I won. Of course I won. Quietly, very, very confident. Um, but yeah, she's just a wonderful person. Yeah, she, yeah you're right. To, to be presented your 100 cap by your dad whose whose farm is 10 15 miles down the road at Welford Road she started a club rugby just down the road at Leicester Forest East I think um just yeah but just yeah really really nice and I've never seen a guard of honor from players before I just certainly knew to to me that the players obviously wanted to do that and made a guard of honor in one of the worst grounds to run out to in the world <laughs> um but yeah normally 50 cap or 100 cap will, will go out by themselves and then the players will follow but you know t- to make that guard of honor um just just exceptional and it's just to back up what you're saying from from my point of view um i got into uh do some commentary at sky her first ever commentary she did it alongside myself and, and sue day uh, she was just exceptional 
Absolutely. Oh, it's annoying, isn't it? She's good at everything. Absolutely, absolutely everything. Oh, actually, actually, breaking Whoa. news. I know what Emily Scarrett is not good at. Come on. It's two things. Press-ups and pull-ups. Yeah, I, I, I was hoping hey. there's something a bit more. <laughs> like she's a terrible driver, she can't sit... She would say her, her, her singing voice is not very good, but I suspect it's probably good, isn't it? Um, but yeah, just just uh, as you say, uh, an absolute classy player. And it, you know, it's often yeah. said, is it? But she looks like she has an absolute age every time she gets the ball, whenever she gets the ball, however much space she's got, however, whoever's around her, whatever situation it is. And th- there was a time a couple of years ago that she was literally winning games single-handedly. And in, yeah. in the ultimate team sport... That is absolutely incredible. And the influence she has, you know, um, she's got a yellow dressing gown. You know, I think a photo shoot's coming her way (laughs) to the men's game. Anyway, now we've blown smoke fully in her way. Let's get into our review of last weekend's games. Let's start with that England-Ireland game. And let's just speak to her. Let's just speak to the lady herself, Dame as I'm sh- well, let's just preempt that, shall we? Let's let's just preempt Dame Emily Scarrett, MB. Here she is on the Women's Rugby Pod. It is a huge WRP welcome to. We've already we've already given you a Dame, um, <laughs> so we've crossed off the MBE Scars, and we've just, we just go straight to Dame now. Um, so Dame Emily Scarrett, MBE, is uh, on the WRP. Again, friend of the pod, I think we can say that. How are you? The black eyes looking wonderful. Aside from that, how are you? Yes, all good, thank you. Yeah, every morning I wake up and I'm a little, you know, when you wake up and you feel a bit puffy sometimes if you're a bit tired. I've got that feeling every morning at the moment, but yeah, no, it's all good. Well, look, you're over in, uh, over in France, Birritz, wonderful little spot down in Birritz, isn't it? Cafe Left, if you get a chance, is a wonderful little spot um, that I half remember. Um, but we'll move on. Um, but to get some steak on there, isn't it a steak that reduces yeah. swelling? Yeah. Well, I've not heard of that one. I've saw it in some sort of boxing film, or perhaps it's it like was an just, old, uh, wife, old wives' tale. You're trying to stitch me up with. Yeah, <laughs> an old uh, yeah, an old husband's tale. There you are. Um, Emily, it was sort of fairly obvious uh, why I wanted to get you on the pod. Huge, huge congratulations on your 100th cap. Um, I'll do all the corny lines now. We'll get them over and done with. At the very end, do just need your scriptwriter's number. Um, same guy, Dan Carter, I presume, as well. Um, but only the very best have your scriptwriter. But no, genuinely, and trying to draw as much emotion out of you as, as possible. When, when you started, 10, 15 miles down the road from, from Welford Road, did you, in your wildest dreams, did you think that one day I'm going to get 100 caps, a beautiful gold cap, presented to my dad at Welford Road having played this wonderful sport in not only Olympics but in World Cups and, and scoring winning tries and all the rest of it did you, in your wildest dreams did you ever think this is where you'd be no never I think I've said it before but like I, ne- I never dreamed any further than where I was at the time do you know what I mean and I've, I've done that my entire career um, so like when I was five I just wanted to play and I wanted to go back next Sunday when I was um 16 and I was playing county and regional I just wanted to go back next Sunday um and it just kind of carried on like that like I genuinely never really looked too far ahead 
um and I don't know you might say that's not a good thing because of all the the goal setting chat and things that you probably should do when you're a more of an elite athlete but I genuinely never never dreamt of having one cap let alone being here um I always wanted to play at Welford Road that was something that I always wanted to do um but yeah I never in a million years imagined it would be like it was on Sunday so if Welford playing at Welford Road was it was on, is on the bucket list um I'm guessing it's probably on a on a small postage post-it note your your bucket list anything else on the on the on the rugby bucket list um obviously I think at the moment obviously winning another world cup um I think obviously having won one then the following year lost one I suppose you, you can say it, that that's you know the reason I'm still playing the game as well as obviously loving loving playing the game but yeah that's that's definitely one that is right up there but no I I, I just I just genuinely just enjoying it still want to get better all of that sort of like you say corny stuff cliche stuff whatever you want to call it but yeah uh, I'm obviously a bit older now but I, I still just love playing the game and I want to do as much as I can how, how was it then I, I, I personally have just spoken to Bertha as a whiz off so apologies she's not she's not on the call um She's blown a lot of smoke in your direction, um, as we both have. Uh, she might have to listen to the WRP this week, young Skaz. Um I've never seen players do a a, a tunnel, a guard of honour. Normally, 50 cappers, 100 cappers run out before everyone else. But a guard of honour, I, I suspect I know who's who's behind it, um, the rib tickler herself, um, how special was that? Because I saw you back in the in the tunnel. It's not a great place to run out, isn't it, with those tiny little steps at Welford Road? But yeah. did you did you did you know that was happening? Did you stop and look and go, have, have a big swallow? Is any moment you had a big swallow as you're running out? Yeah, I had a few. I think the the one I had, which I probably wasn't expecting, was when we arrived at the ground on the bus. Obviously, like everyone's in their own heads, headphones on, music, whatever. At that point, obviously, there's not a lot of. There's no chat going on. There's nothing, but I kind of just rocking in at that point. I was a bit like, "Ooh, here we go," type vibe. Um, and then, yeah, because obviously we, um, the Santa obviously had probably orchestrated that a lot, but had spoken about who was going out first. Obviously, Leanne and I would lead the side out. Um, so kind of once we'd done our chat in the changing room, we kind of started to go towards the door, and then Santa was like, "No, no," and then everyone else piled out. So I was a bit like, sort of smelt a rat at that point. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's just crazy special. Like it's probably the mark of someone like Sarah Hunter, isn't it? To try and make occasions like that as special as possible, um, which it certainly was um, coming down those steps, obviously through the through the girls at the time. And then I guess just to hear the noise of the stadium, which, yeah, you, you can't prepare yourself for stuff like that. You kind of get out to the middle all by yourself. And you don't really know what to do. <laughs> Um, so I kind of gave this limp sort of wave, but um, yeah, it was awesome. What did you say to Leanne? Because you both laughed heartily. It was a proper good laugh. Do you remember? Oh, uh, I think I said, I think I said something like, "Well, this is this is cool," or something like that. Or probably said, "Well, probably swore and said, well, this is SH1T.'" Right. Um, and then I also <laughs> said to her, "I was like, well, you, you stay there, otherwise you're going to look really short because otherwise she would have been like, it would have been me, Leanne Sunter." So I put her put her on the end, yeah. Oh, bless you! And 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 I mean, it's, it's so typically you that you're you're picking up Sarah Hunter when we're, we're trying to talk about you. Um, that's you all over. No, I, I think um, it's probably not the best time to reflect on it. In a few years' time, hopefully many years' time, 
um, once you finish playing, um, it'll be uh, get the video, VHS, get the VHS, get the uh, get the footage out and uh, and rewatch it and rewatch it. But let, let's just get into so so after the game, mum and dad are there, family are there, filling what most of the, most of the stand. Yeah, there's a lot. It had a lot of family there. So my brother and sister-in-law were there. Um, few aunties, cousins, second cousins, um, some old school friends. The local, the club that I first started playing at were there. Um, some of my brother's friends were there. It's just, yeah, there was a whole host of people. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to see a lot of them, which was a bit of a shame because I had quite a lot of media bits to do because I had a HIA. I had to go and do my HIA too. Um, so there's a couple of things that meant that I probably wasn't able to see as many people as I would have liked to. But yeah, obviously the cat presentation on field was was pretty special because it was is then in front of a lot of those those people. And you're a you're a tight family as well. That must have been a very very special moment with the, with your mum and dad and, and bro there yeah. and what have you. Yeah, when I saw them coming onto the field, I was like, "Who's giving you two permission to get on here?" <laughs> but um, yeah, then when I saw dad with the cap, I was like, "Oh, okay, here we go. Bless him. Um, he's the soft one of the family, so I could see his little eyes all watery, um, which was super cute. Because uh, like, it's it's for all of us, isn't it? Like we've yeah. all been on this journey. Like they were right there at the start. Um, they've driven me." everywhere when I was a youngster and before I could drive even when I could drive they'd still drive me do you know what I mean they're, they're such an integral part of it all um so it was so nice to have them there awesome well look, I'm going to give you 10 seconds of a little tribute and then we'll actually talk about some some rugby just one or two questions because I know you want to get to your, your entrecot not to put it in your face but probably eat it um yeah I I um, people ask me the, the best rugby player I've ever seen on, on, on the planet and uh, I've been doing this a while and, and uh, my answer is you for my two my two kids who are 13 and 10 boys um, their favourite player on the planet is, is Emily Scarrett so there's a little tribute from, from the Hammond household and thank you for all you, you do and, and continue to do for the women's game it's been a pleasure to enjoy some of that journey alongside you and um, yeah 2014 lives long in the memory um, oh Scarrett she's going to go through um <laughs> Well done, you. Awesome. Uh, enough of that. Enough of the smoke blowing, because I know you don't like it, and um, it's all slightly awkward anyway. What about the, uh, England then? Um, a, what was said at half time? I'd love to have known. Um, do you know what? It was all very measured and pretty focused. Like I thought, walking in, I was like, "Oh, we could, we could get it here," because obviously go. the first half wasn't perhaps what we what we'd want to put out there. But it, yeah, it was all pretty measured. Um, you know, a lot of the things we were trying to do first half were the right things. It wasn't like we were crazy yeah. off the trip or anything like that. It was just the execution bits, which, you know, you don't necessarily always need a roasting for. So, um, yeah, it was um, it was pretty measured. And I think everybody left the change room very clear what we wanted to achieve in that second half. And, you know, that, that definitely showed. Because I think early doors, we got straight back on the scoreboard. Yeah, you certainly did within minutes. Um, what's How much more is to, to come from this, this team then, Skaz? Yeah, so much. And I think that's the exciting and scary thing, isn't it? I think, you know, it's our job to try and unlock that and really get that out as much as possible. Um, But yeah, I think a 10 point second half and a 59 point, uh, a 10 point first half, sorry, and a 59 point second half probably just shows the the difference in the two. Um, And you have to give huge credit to Ireland as well, like that first half play. They came out and, you know, they had a clear plan as well and, and fair play to them. Absolutely. It's exciting to see perhaps where they'll get to on their journey as well. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, there's there's so much more kind of room for us to grow into, um, you know, things that we can tidy up on, things that we can continue to develop. Um, and also with the range of players that we have as well, which is, yeah, it's exciting. Awesome. Last one, Le Crunch. 
how much fun is it being in France and, and playing over there? And w- what do you have to get right from what you've seen of France in the opening four rounds to get a back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back grand slam? Yeah, first of all, it's, it's, I love being out in France. Um, it's one of my favourite countries. Um, the bread, if nothing else, is sensational. <laughs> yep. Breakfast this morning was top draw. Um, but yeah, obviously, like they always, the, it's so well supported out here. So that's always exciting. Um, and then I think, like, obviously, the the physical and the territorial battle will probably be two massive things. You know, we've got a strong kicking game. They have a very strong kicking game as well. So potentially, who can marshal that field and, and be in the right areas of the field often enough could, could be a really telling point in the game. But also just the physical battle, like the girls up front are going to, both sides are, are going to go through some serious work this weekend in terms of trying to get on the front foot, trying to put their sides in a, in a positive place. So, yeah, it, it, I mean, it's all dipped to be a fantastic game, isn't it? And I, I just hope that we can live up to the billing. Yeah. Oh, no, it's fascinating stuff. And for me, England, it's win-win because you win, you've still got that wood on France because I think that'd be 10 in a row. If you don't, it's a little bit of a buck up before the World Cup for France. It's almost must win for them. But um, look, we will let you go. I know you've done loads and loads of media and um, coming on a, a, another podcast. Um, it's hugely appreciated, Skaz. And thank you very much for that. Uh, enjoy France and thank you for the memories so far and keep making them. Thanks, Johnny. Appreciate it. I'm Jill Burns and you're listening to the wonderful Women's Rugby Podcast. Enough Skaz chat. Um, let's get into the game itself then, Berth. Um, I was on a, another show this week and um, I said the team I'm most disappointed with this Six Nations so far is is England. Um, <laughs> Mo Hunt wasn't very happy with me. Uh, I think when somebody says, yeah, I appreciate the honesty, um, I think that, that means that they're not overly happy with you. But I am. There's, there's huge expectations for England. Yeah, they're winning 16 on nil, but 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 still 10 nil at half time. Huge credit to Ireland. Um, yeah, Texaco Williams, who's on the show last week, yeah. um, said superb. Should be very very proud of his, his charges. Um, but still, just not clicking as as I suspect they would want to. Yeah, look, I agree with you. I think we probably expect England to be this kind of crisp final product. And I think we have given the excuse that changes and you know movement within the selected team is part of that. However, you know, basic skills, catch pass, looking after the ball in contact, you know, those things need to be at a level that, you know, they're a professional side they should be executing that and the amount of possession that they had in that first half, you know, their set piece wasn't functioning, um, which you would expect, you know, having Zoe Allcroft back in the mix, it would take it to an an even higher level than it can be. Um, But yeah, I think we kind of have this huge expectation on those players because they are professional, because they are incredible individual talented players, but we haven't seen that kind of gel. We've seen, we've seen lots of moments, um, but it's taking time within the games. You know, they haven't started well in each game this year. Um, but I have full faith that they're going to absolutely smash it out of the park this week. I can just see it, they turn it completely turn it around. But it's behind the scum for me. It's a question I've asked some militant for the last six, six, eight months in various things we've done. When do you stop going, right, well, who am I actually going to pick? And it is difficult because you don't know if it's going to be 30 
player squad or 36 player squad and therefore that's really difficult do you want somebody who can play 10 12 13 15 potentially um do you want somebody who's only can play one position? It, 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 that's difficult, but but to get those those partnerships, you and Skaz for years nailed on twelve thirteen Bosch. You understood each other, knew what each other were doing in your sleep, all the rest of it. Um, we don't have a, a settled twelve, um, and uh, yeah, that 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 has to account for some of it, I think. Mm. Um, but I, I still think they they should be better. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, I think, you know, there's certain players that you can move around to facilitate, you know, getting them on the pitch, like a Helena Rowland. She can move between 10 and 15. What um, did you make of her at 15? I think it suits her better in that free open space where she can attack, attack where she wants to. She wants to be on the ball. She wants to take defenders on. Um, she's got a good eye for a kick space. Um, and obviously... She's a great kicker. If for territory or under pressure in the backfield, she can deliver that. Um, I think I think that's where it suits her better, being in the open free spaces where she can run with the ball a bit more and have a bit more space. I think when she plays at 12, she probably looks to do that first before looking at what the space around her is. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, feel, I, I thought it was a, a nice option to have her there. She's got the pace. She's got great step to beat defenders. Um, and she's got the the handling ability and the belief in her handling ability to to move the ball to the edges as and when, like that try for Lydia. Um, but then I think other players, certain, I, I just don't like when, you know, for for instance, look at Wales when, I know Poppy Cleal is a very good player, moved into the second row, but we saw, we didn't get the best out of her, didn't see her. In comparison to where, when she's playing in the back row, you get her ball carrying, you get her dominating tackles, dominating the game line. Don't get that when you play her slightly out position. She totally gets it, knows what she needs to do for the team. But so I think there's some players where you can have that kind of variation of where they move and and sit into the team. But there's some players to get the best out of them for that team. They've got to play in their right position. And I feel like the same for Holly Aitchison. She's played 10, 12, 13. She's played 10, 12, 13 at club. And, and they are different. All three of them have different pressures, different time, different running lines. You know, all those things are very different. And unless you're consistently always getting opportunity there, you know, that's very hard to then kind of just, you know, you look at like Skaz and, and um, Zoe, you know, pretty pivotal, know their role, deliver really well. And then... You know, we've had Amber, Holly, Helena. We've had three different 12s in four games. Yeah, agreed. A, a word a word on Ireland, then, Berth. Oh, I think they, they put everything out there. They genuinely do. I think oh. the first half was unbelievable. They really pressured England. They were under so much pressure. The amount of entries that England had into the Irish 22 and they managed to turn them over and they exited so poorly. They were then back under pressure. So it was like this constant um, pressure that they just kept being able to absorb, you know, inch their way up a little bit further from their try line, you know, that desperate tackle from, um, I can't remember the winger's name now, but on Lydia Thompson, I mean, Lydia Thompson does not get stopped when she sees a bit of an outside and for them to, to, to like last ditch cover tackle, you know, they had the real, you know, 
we know we are where we are but let's make sure if we're going down today we're going with a fight and it, it that just oozed out of them it really did you know having a yellow card and a red card doesn't help you know the levels of fitness England are always going to trump that so come the last 20-30 minutes England are going to end up running riot especially with the the power houses that they had on the bench you know Mo Hunt um you know Poppy Khalil and as you said that entire front row that came on and just ran over the top of them um yeah I just I think they showed so much heart and commitment they put together some really nice stuff um but we mentioned it we said about not being able to exit I think they they were in the the first opportunity and again but then you also look at the first opportunity that Ireland got they got a penalty kicked to the corner kept recycling the phases and then they get a penalty right in front of the post if she'd got that that would be you know their entry first entry into 22 come away with some points and that would just give them that little bit and yeah I, I you can't you can't knock their effort you cannot knock their effort. Their defence was immense at times. Yep. The reload, um, yeah, they wanted to pray, play for their country with the most amount of pride that they could and to do their, their jersey the best justice they could. But, you know, you, you can't do that when you lose your entire back line to sevens. Um, and, you know, some of those players just coming in for that first week, they hadn't been part of the squad for the previous campaigns not even in training and you know so they had like what maybe three or four sessions to get up to speed you know work on those combinations collectively know what was going on and you saw you know a number of lines overrun or drop balls and that came down to consistency of playing together and even being in the squad so I don't think you can ask much for for them I think that first half was unreal you know to 10 nil. I don't know the stat, but is that potentially the the lowest score that England have gone in at half time? Um of yeah, the campaign yeah, so yeah. far. I think it probably is the Six Nations. But yeah, um Alfred Dawes, the, yeah. the the winger, uh Constantine was was on the other wing for, for Ireland. Um there's lots of things we we could get into and the sevens. We I mean, we didn't touch on it last week because it's very, very simple. They are employed by the RFU. To play sevens, there is a sevens tournament and a World Cup this year. Therefore, they have to go off and play sevens. Uh, it, it's it's not a point for debate. It's as simple as that. You know, they're employed to play sevens, mm-hmm. so um, you know, debate over, right or wrong, um, and you know whether they should be fifteen contacts. We all know that, and you know, there's talk of them being being sort of rolled out by by the end of this this year. There's talk, but yeah, just going back to Greg Williams last week, saying you know, all he wanted was effort, and I think it's exactly what he got. And unbelievable changes you say in that back line, and then the cold Cronin misses that penalty. You say, and then she goes off, and then there's another injury, and then Senna gets a, a red card. Just got to lower your tackle height. I don't think there's any arguments there on the on the on the red card. So much disruption, and yet fought right to the very end. And yeah, it was it was amateurs versus professionals in that second half, wasn't it? Yeah. As simple as that. Uh, love to know what was said by Sam Middleton at half time because, uh, yeah, England were a very different side indeed. We must move on, Berth. Let's look back um, at Friday night then at the Arms Park, Wales against France. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's a poor game, wasn't it? Just so many errors. Um, stop, start. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't that impressed by France, really. 
if I'm honest. I saw somebody. I saw, um, but I think from my point of view, I expected France to be a lot better, and you, and we should. But and it just the amount of unforced errors. It just it made me think. Well, England probably got this in the bag at the weekend. Um, yeah, I was disappointed. Yeah, I, d- I thought it was a distinct lack of empathy from from the referee. Quite new to it. Um, looked like a, a bit of a rabbit in the headlights at times. I know she had some experience on the sidelines, but um, and I, they, they made for a bitty game for me. No, no flow to it. And added to that, as you say, the the, the errors uh, from both sides. Just Wales, just for me, couldn't seem to get out of fourth and, and into those high gears and. No, there's huge amount of passion and determination. It's written, you know, it's, the captain is the very embodiment of that uh, and, and playing at home as well. But just didn't seem to get going um, as they had done in, in, in previous games. And, and France, where we've always said for for French teams, it's so frustrating because they've got so much talent and yet we, we don't often see it. Um, yeah. And that can be often be said for the, for the men's team. Um, not anymore with Dupont and Antimac and all the rest of it. But now, for the women's team, that is exactly the case. It's just, we'll just score four tries it, yeah, as and when, and then we'll sort of just eke the rest of the game out. Um, I thought Sochal yeah. was good. Um, and yeah. they, did, they, did, they hadn't had Sansus for the four rounds of this Six Nations. I think the results could have been could have been quite different because she yeah, is... I was, yeah, agreed. Uh, God knows what they're feeding their scrum halves in France at the moment. <laughs> yeah, she's such an exciting player to watch. But like you said, like a bit like how we've spoken about how Emily Scarrett has won, won a game for with a line break score. or She's done that. She's had how many individual brilliance of tries being able to, you know, whether it's a chip and chase or a little show and go and... She has the ability to finish them off. And she's done that. She did that last season as well for France. But yeah, I do wonder where France would be without her. Um, and also she wasn't even the starting nine before Bordon no. got injured. So, um, you know, for her to then kind of show exactly the talent that she can be. Who I, who I was impressed with again was uh, Tremillier at 10. I think she's done a good job there. She yep. kicked really well. She moves the ball well. Um, scored that great try, which I mean, should never have been scored. It was really no. poor defence, but um, but she seems like a real mature version, like even more so. And she's just so nonchalant, and it's like it seems to nothing phases her. She's very like a chilled individual. Uh, the final game of round four, of course, was um, Italy against Scotland. Um, Scotland never beaten Italy in Italy. I mean, I didn't tell you that last week before you did your um, prediction, of course, uh, because you keep these things to yourself uh, when you're doing predictions. Um, and Italy are, what, two, three places higher than them on the world rankings? But I, I, I just thought there was there was always another gear for Italy mm. to click into. Sillery was outstanding and quite rightly player of the match. Um, your your former, former Harlequins teammate... Uh, but I just, I just thought we spoke about Angetti, didn't we? Coming back l- last week, um, I thought she had a, a really big game, influential, carrying the ball really, really hard, um, and it was kind of even Stevens uh, until the rain came down, which seems to sort of play into Italy's hands somewhat in that second half. But I always just felt Italy had a little bit of something extra um, to call upon should they need to to win the game. 
um, and that proved to be the case in the end. What do you make of it? I think of Scotland losing Jay Conkle is massive. I think people don't really fully understand the impact that she can have within a side. Um, you know, considering she's the most carries, takes the most carries out of any um, player in world rugby at the moment, not just in Scotland. That's huge. And she always makes game line and gets the team on the front foot. And then not to have her in the team is massive, just from a leadership point of view, from the rugby element I just said as well. But the same thing, you know, we've, we've spoken about this for for every game for Scotland. They create the opportunities. They had 14 line breaks, but they're not finishing them. Yep. And that and that's the difference. Italy had less line breaks against them, and but finished the crucial ones. Um, and so for me, it's that that final detail that Scotland need to go away, and that's where they've got to fine tune. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I thought um, Molly Wright was good. Lou said for her first start, I believe. Um, and yeah, they they got it all there, haven't they? You know, Nelson, but Lisa Thompson was was fabulous. Talent in Rona Lloyd, but getting that ball in Chloe Rowley and, and, and Rona Lloyd's hands enough. You know, they are devastating runners with the yeah. ball in hand. You've got to create chances to get them. But but I agree, them them not getting on the front foot as, as much as they wanted to um, was was uh, a big big thorn in the side for them. And um, yeah, Jay Conkle would have made would have made that difference. So leaves it yes. England, top of the table, four from four like France, both on 20 points. England have a points difference of two plus points difference. This is of two hundred and forty-eight. Uh, only ten points scored against them. Twenty-four points scored against uh, France. One hundred and sixteen points difference for them. Forty-two tries for England. Twenty for France. Oh my word! Forty-two tries in four games. You take that. Anyway, the other side of the news. We will have a look at all three of the round five games, including that MAGA crunch over in France. Former All Blacks coach Wayne Smith, who joins the Black Ferns as technical coach earlier announced this month, is the new Black Ferns director of rugby. He will be assisted by Wesley Clark and Whitney Hansen, who has been an interim coach for the last two years. Sir Graham Henry will join the coaching team in support, in a support role, while specialist coaches, including Mike Crone, will be used throughout the year. Amanda Murphy also joins as assistant strength and conditioning coach, leaving her position of high performance, high <laughs> women's high performance management at Canterbury. I mean, it's probably a role that you should know because you have a couple of those yourself, don't you? <laughs> um, Let's let just have a very, very quick chat off the back of that news um, berth. We haven't got into the, the, the review. There's been a review in Canada, Ireland, New Zealand. Um, we probably just don't have enough time to, 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 get, to really get into it. It wasn't pleasant reading for anyone. Uh, Glenmore and put a PR company to try and smooth things over. That kind of probably tells you uh, the reaction off the back of that. Um, the bottom line is players are standing up and saying, no, I've had enough of this. And that's exactly what they did and brought about this review. What do you make of, of, of 
some unbelievably high profile, very, very skilled coaches being parachuted into the blank fern setup. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people, are, this is a big discussion point about surely there was women that were more than capable of stepping into these positions. They're probably thinking, you know, we don't have long left. Let's get people who have real experience in that area, manage to turn teams around, understand culturally what they need or what they don't need or how things might need to change. You know, keeping some of the the kind of foundations that they've had for a number of years, you know, having Whitney Hansen in there. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people are looking in thinking, well, you could have thought about Anna Richards or, you know, bringing somebody who's also been there, done that from a different perspective. So, you know, for me, um, I'm a bit on the fence of it because I can understand they, they've literally got six months to turn their team around. So bringing in, the likes of Micron, who will be unbelievable with their set piece. They will be a transformable team for in that position. You know, somebody, you know, Wayne Smith, I mean, who doesn't talk about and rave about him as an individual? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that this is a short-term fix that's needed to happen. You know, fair play to New Zealand rugby for, you know, making the change it could they could have very easily just smooth things over and go right we'll sort this out after the world cup yeah it just smacks of absolute desperation for me realize just how far they're behind and this is a culmination of investing absolutely zero in the women's game for years and relying on the team and the individuals uh, and the women who've, who've won them world cups back to back to back um, and that's been enough. And it's, oh, well, we don't need to invest because they're winning anyway. And actually, yeah. boom, you lose by a cricket score at, at, at the, the autumn. And it's a home World Cup. You're like, oh, it's desperation. And if Wayne Smith was coming in for two, three years or, or you know, two years, I, I don't mind that. But as you say, there's, the, the, it's not just a case of parachuting these, these unbelievable people in. I'm sure they do a fantastic job. But something like Gary Street and, you know, very very good close friend of yours always said there is a a huge 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 difference between coaching men and women i've done it and i I understand that it's just it's it's massively different and some chaps just can't can't do it and you know there's there's no need to go into examples of of people who possibly in that camp but it's very very different um but yeah it it means that the black phones are are running I say running scared, but are really, really fearful of of England, yeah. um, and it's a it, it should be a very, very big compliment to the Red Roses and Sam Middleton and his team. Mm-hmm. Um, over the Tasman, the weekend. If you saw any of this, but the Super W was decided on Saturday. So sort of free to air on TV for the first time. Fair play to Stan Sport. Gave the bells and whistles. Timmy Horan was there as well. Fijiana Mdrua took on the New South Wales Waratahs. It was a scintillating final, it really was. And they won 32 points to 26. Wow, some unbelievable tries scored in that. If you haven't looked at it, look it up on social. Mandura halted the Waratahs, winning a fifth straight title. Vitalina Nikora crossed for three tries and was player of the match. The first round of the Women's Premier Division in South Africa kicked off at the weekend. The Sharks started their campaign with a loss at home to Western Province. EP Queens beat the Golden Lions 18-10, to while the Blue Bulls won 12-0 versus the Border Ladies. Boland with the bye in this seven-team competition. 
And the 2022 Pacific 4 Series fixes have been announced uh, in the last few days. New Zealand and Australia joining Canada and USA from last year. All four will play each other once and it all quicks off on the 6th of June. Uh, venue still to be decided for that round. And then rounds two and three on the 12th and 19th of June will be in New Zealand. Over to sevens, of course, the Langford leg of the Women's HSBC World Seven Series is this weekend with the World Cup in Cape Town looming in September. Last weekend, Canada qualified in the Bahamas. Sounds pretty tough being there. Mm-hmm. Beating Mexico, Jamaica, Cayman Islands and Trinidad and Tobago to take the North American spot. This weekend in Tunisia, eight teams will compete for the Africa spot. South Africa... Um being the ninth team, but they've already qualified, of course, as hosts. In Pool A, well, that consists of Senegal, Zimbabwe and South Africa. Kenya, Uganda and Zambia, beautiful place, will battle it out in Pool B, while host Tunisia are drawn with Madagascar. I just think of that little monkey type thing from the films. Uh, and Ghana. Stop it, Maurice. Don't do it, Maurice. <laughs> and in Australia Sevens, Emily Barton previously known as Emily Cherry, announced as the new Sevens assistant coach. She's an Olympic gold medalist, won the series in 2015-16 and was the first Australian woman to win the Sevens Player of the Year. Australia Sevens on the brink of the first series title since 2018 if they finish first or second in Langford this week. Over to news from the UK, the Premier 15s Cup was played out at Sandy Park, the home of the Exeter Chiefs at the weekend. The Chiefs, a very strong side out, were too strong for Berth's Harlequin side, winning 57-12. Bristol Bears beat Worcester to third place. Over in France, it was also their final cup weekend, with Toulouse taking on the Bogny and beating them 13-5. to those French lessons really have paid off, haven't they, Berth? That's, You're my the, tutor. It's the accent and everything. It's just brilliant. <laughs> and in the championship here in England, uh, the playoff final is this Sunday between Cheltenham Tigers ladies and Thurrock ladies at Newlands Park, Aylesby RFC. Good luck to both. Let rugby be the winner. So on that one, that's Charlie Beckett, Sarah Beckett's the coach, and then Thurrock ladies, Emily Scott's the coach. Really? Yeah. Ooh. Personal stuff. Yeah, good luck to both sets of players. So then, Berth, round five, the culmination of the Six Nations Super Saturday. Let's run you through the fixtures again. Wales against Italy at 12 o'clock on S4C here in the UK, also on the BBC iPlayer. France against England, quarter past two on BBC Two here in the UK and then finishing up at 8 o'clock in the evening Ireland against Scotland that's on BBC Scotland I believe uh, and the iPlayer that kind of thing from the Kingspan Stadium in we would know uh, Ravenhill in Belfast let's go through them chronologically then Rachel Burford Wales against Italy where's it going to be won and lost I want predictions I want people are going to stand out I want the exact amount of people in the in the crowd everything I want a full preview please <laughs> okay uh, I don't think we've got enough time but um, 
I, this is a really interesting one because it's one of those ones where Italy have been really poor and not really consistent throughout the Six Nations, obviously getting their first win last weekend. So they're going to be able to, you know, use that momentum going into this game. Whereas on the flip side of that, Wales, obviously, you know, not a hugely heavy defeat from against France. However, you know, they also weren't, they didn't play particularly well, like we've spoken about, no real shots fired. So, you know, it's one of those games where it's the last round, you want to put your best foot forward. Italy obviously want to make sure that they, you know, lay a marker leading into the Rugby World Cup, as do Wales. Um, but I just I just find it quite hard to call on this one. I do. I think a lot of players for Wales will want to stand up and, you know, make it, known that they that they should be a starting player or they should be in key positions um, and ensuring that they get off to the right foot. They've got to start well. Both teams need to start well. I think for me, Italy's set piece has been, you know, worrying throughout the Six Nations. And I think they'll have a really, really tough day because you saw what Wales could do to England's set piece and also to France's set piece, who you would argue is probably the strongest two teams in terms of set piece. Um, if if Italy have no set piece and nothing to play off, then Wales will cause them problems. And, you know, there's something about this Welsh team that I think if you give them an opportunity and you give them a chance, then they they push away with it. And for me, I think that's what will just take them over the edge this weekend against Italy. Do you? Yes, I do. I just think of all the players. So set-piece key, you say? Set-piece is really key. I think how they start and the momentum. If if Wales can get hold of the momentum, I think they'll keep hold of it. I just think the level that all of those players play at now, um, you know, they're used to tough competition week in, week out, as they are in the Allianz Premier 15s, where Italy don't have that same amount of, you know, week on, week out, competitive, high-level, high-performing um, contest and I think that could be the telling tale at the end of the game at the for this final round that's interesting isn't it because I, I think um, with the start that Italy had yeah they had that um, loss to France away really tough start of the competition and then yeah at home to to England I think the, the competition started against Ireland Ireland were hurt and wounded but I, I just I think we said earlier in the in the review piece that uh, just I I didn't see Italy losing against against Scotland. I just felt they had a, another gear and and is Yeti coming back big big ball carrier eight. I think yeah they clearly need to sort their their set piece out. But, but I like the look of the back line. I really do. Uh, Baratine at, uh, at scrum half was on the wing. Maddie has, yeah, has played really well. You know, if, if you're looking for a consistent fly half, this this Six Nations, which we will do next week, won't we, with uh, with our team of the tournament? Um, yeah, Rigoni strutting about as well. Sillery on fire. I, I don't know. I just I just think they're going up, and I and I wonder whether Wales are spent. They've used so much emotional energy in the opening few rounds. And performed quite brilliantly, and I think whether Wales win or lose, it, it's it's incredibly from where they've come from last year. It's an incredibly successful campaign. I just Italy need that probably that win a little bit more. So, I, I, mm. going to be tight for you. 
Yeah, I think it will be tight, but I just think Wales will manage the game better. I just think that they've got players within their side who are just that, you know, like I said, play a little bit more at the higher levels in high pressure games. You just think of the Bristol Bears players, how they'll be able to manage through tight situations. And yeah, I do think it'll be tight. And I, I, you know, I agree with you in terms of the players that you called out there, how they played and what they can add. And, and maybe we see Jada this weekend, which again, will add a difference, Jada Franco. Yeah. But but I just think I just think Wales will have enough. I think Wales have had better form throughout, and Italy have been inconsistent. But you and I uh, pointed it out uh, about Wales's kicking game and their um, inability to to be. So you say manage the game, but they're not going to change personnel. Uh, perhaps they do. Perhaps Craig George comes in. I doubt it. Um, mm very strongly so you've still got Eleanor Sosil Robin Wilkins at 10 12 1 at 10 so you've still got that that issue with Wales of being able to to clear their lines and when, when you've got um, you know Sillery and Muzo uh, Manuela Fulan, um she went off didn't she but uh, she looked very rapid down the left hand side at one point um, against um, against Scotland um, I, I just, uh. yeah, no, I do hear you on that. And we have, that's been a massive call out that we've been saying about them, but I do think they have the rugby brains to try and manage the game. Maybe not the execution. Come on then. Uh, I'm going to say Wales by eight. Really? Yeah. Italy by three. Oosh. Okay. Can I can I can I change that? No. My grandmother is turning in her grave. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Men of Margaret Davies. Uh, bless her. Come on then, the big one. The crunch, the Grand Slam decider. You said earlier on, um, not sure France are just in that space to be able to, to challenge England at the moment. However, sort of England are playing, they've just got extra levels. Back at home, in front of their home crowd, showing that stand um, at the stage. Jean Dolga is, uh, is not up. As I think it's going to be a max of about 12,000, but still, you know, we'll take 12,000, won't we? You still stick by that, England winning? Yeah, I think, well, first and foremost... If France are going to be anywhere at the World Cup, they need to beat England this weekend. They have to beat them now. Um, and but I just, I just don't know if they're there. And I think the way that yes, England are, they haven't been as consistent, and they've had a lot of errors, and certain things haven't gone right. But their personnel is just ridiculous. I mean, any of their bench could start. Mo- like every weekend that we've had that kind of strength and depth to close a game out. Um, you know, where I think they might get found out is, you know, historically France's defence has always been immense and England have struggled attacking wise to really break down defences. You know, um, Wales really made them work hard for their tries. So did Scotland. They had to build a lot of phases in order to, to be able to score or to be able to create some space. Um and it's only been in the later stages of games that teams have really opened up. Now, France won't be unfit. They won't 
drop off in the, the final 20 minutes. So England are going to have to start really strong um, and not a slow start like they have done and the ill-discipline they had last weekend. They can't afford to do that against France. Um, but having said all that, I still think England will be too strong. I think the array of players that England have, you know, one to 22, one to 30 of their entire squad, um, you know, whereas when we talk about France, we're talking about a big handful, but a handful of players that you would say, you know, they're game winners, that they can turn things around, they can... But in England's team, you know, you're looking at everybody to be able to do that. So if you matched up the the two starting 15s to 23s, how many of those French players would would get into the England England side, player for player on pure rugby merit? It, it, it's not a huge amount, yeah. Um, at, at the moment, and I'm, I'm I'm totally with you. I I think for England, it's win or lose. I think it's win win because if yeah. you win, it's it's ten in a row now, isn't it, against France? That's massive. Um, it's a huge hurdle for, for France and I'm totally with you. I think France have to win. And in the same World Cup pool, you lose 10 in a row. You lost almost before you get on the park um, yeah. in a World Cup pool. Um, <clears throat> and if England lose, it's a it's a kick up the rear that, you know, isn't a bad thing a few months away from a World Cup. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't think England will, will take it lightly. I know... Simon Middleton is, is really, really keen, uh, loves his, his Six Nations, loves getting trophies. Um, real shame that uh, Sinter's not going to be playing, but she'll be out there whipping the whipping the, the, the guys up. Uh, and I think they want a, a, another Grand Slam, a back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back Grand Slam. Um, <laughs> so England by how many then? Oh, uh... I don't know. I've got this feeling that England are just going to absolutely blow them away, but I'm not that confident with that. Uh, I've put England by 22. Mm, yeah, see, I just, there's something, I feel especially with how they played against Ireland, the amount of opportunities they butchered, the amount of times they got into the 22. I just, you just don't see England do that repeatedly. You don't see that two weeks on a row. And and also that team, that's why I think he'll stay with that team, to have consistency. They've got that out of their system. They came good in the second half. And then, oh, I don't know. But then I want France to be, I want it to be close. I want yeah, France to be we all want it to be a great competition, don't we? You are pontificating. Okay, Burford. this is what I want to happen, is I want England to win by... Last play. Yeah, last play. Oh, I don't know. Cause that's so cruel on the opposition. I've been there. It's not nice to lose in the 80th minute when the clock's in the red. And Portia Woodrum runs down the pitch and scores and takes away the series from you. Um, anyway, so... Um, <laughs> Let it go. I, I want to say... I'm going to say... And all the pod next week, Portia Woodman, ladies and gentlemen. So... <laughs> I'll go with England by six. That's what I want. I want a tight game. Rachel Burford saying England by six. I, I think, I heard from Skazza, didn't we, what was said at half time, and it was very cool and measured, but it was like, no, no, do this, this, and this, and they're that good, and they're that professional, uh, that they went out second half and did it 59 points. Not as joined up as, as, as 
as they would like, I don't think, uh, as we would like. But um, you know, some other tries. I know the, the, uh, a player down in an who was was off at that point, but uh, was it Ellie killed? No, it was Lydia Thompson's try, wasn't it? Of Helena Rowland's pass floated over the top was was a thing of beauty. I I, I think England will will lay down a another significant mark to say no, no, this this is our World Cup, and if you want to take it off us, that's that's fine. But we've got two hands on it very very firmly, um, and. Yeah, the Six Nations title is ours. So I, I'm going 22. I, I I won't even go more. Ooh. Oh. Rachel Burby said England by six. I've said England by 10. So oh, You've backed what? off from 22. Sorry? <laughs> You're having a bit of self-doubt today, Johnny. 22 or 10. <laughs> Ireland, Scotland. At the Kingspan in uh, Belfast. Uh Saturday evening, eight o'clock. Tight again, really tough to call, isn't it? Do mm, uh, uh, Scotland, I don't know. Scotland on fumes? Are Ireland buoyant after the first forty? Are they absolutely shattered? <laughs> Alfie McDermott, yeah, twenty-four hours after the game. Maybe twenty-four yeah, hours. Yeah, not even that. It's it's you know going doing battle with Abby Ward and World Player of the Year Zoe Allcroft and she's back to work and quite rightly highlighted all across social media do they have anything left? I would say yes like for me I think Ireland are going to win I just think they will be you know you just think of the effort that they put in last weekend if they can produce that then I think they'll, they'll blow Scotland away not like, sorry, not blow them away and it'll be a massive score, but I just think, well, it depends on their injuries, actually. They did pick up a few injuries. Just about to ask you about that, in terms of putting a back line together, yeah. you know Seninapu is uh, clear to play in the judiciary meeting, uh, disciplinary, I should say, sorry. Uh, she was cleared, it was called a yellow card rather than a red. But Nicole Crona went off, of course. Didn't look like she was in a in a in a good place. Yeah, I think they've obviously lost Considine as well, who's most experienced course, yeah. in that back three at the moment as well. So that that is quite pivotal when you say that. Having said that though, the debuts, they look that they've got something about them. Um oh no, you got me questioning. Mm, I, I still think just how Ireland played last weekend and is it Neve Jones, the hooker? She, gosh, she's feisty. Yeah. Oh, um, I like her. She's got a lot about her. Um, she's a diminutive little I, thing, isn't she, as well? Gosh. And, you know, people talk about Cleaner Maloney and not being picked or whatever. And, you know, Gregory Williams said last week, didn't he? Have I got the, the selection right for this squad? And did it, imagine having Neve Jones and Cleaner Maloney and you're, you're, you're two hookers and you're 23. That's, yeah. Thank you very much. Well, you might want to get Clean to play in the backs. She's been doing it at Wasps. Yeah. Um, I, I just still think that they're going to be stronger. I, I don't know what it is. I just feel like they had such a physical present and edge last weekend and the effort that they put in. And it was almost like it didn't matter that England were going to beat them or how many by. They were never just going to roll over. And um, I, just, I hope that they've got some in the tank. I think they actually assembled earlier this week. So... That's an extra day potentially for recovery and things like that, knowing with what's coming around the corner. But I just, I just don't feel like 
I've seen Scotland get out of third or fourth gear. That Wales game was probably the only game. So Scotland are f- zero from four. They've only got amassed two points. Um, and those are two losing bonus points. 45 points for 129 points against. But they don't look like that, that side that sits at the bottom of the, of the Six Nations table. They, they really don't look like that side. You know, there's there's so much talent there. They've they played some, some cracking rugby, but are the same issues that we've spoken about all campaign going to be exactly the same? That Breaking into 22, spending a lot of time in 22s, but actually not being able to, to convert those chances. Don't know, but uh, Ireland. Yep. I'm with you. I think Ireland by... Mitchell Malcolm will never come on the pod again. Jade Conquer won't speak to you ever again. Yeah, but Jade's not playing. That's my reason. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But when you think about it, can I see Ireland scoring kind of really wide, exciting, expansive tries? I'm not sure I can. So I don't think it's going to be like a massive high scoring. I think Scotland's got more ability of doing that. I'm going to back Ireland. I'm going to back them on the, the, the effort that they put in last weekend. I reckon they can produce that again, finish their Six Nations on a high, then get their union to get behind them and start building what they can really do with that amount of talent for the future. Ireland by. <clears throat> Who's going to kick goal? I'm going to say Ireland by five. Ireland by two. Oof. Or, or Sorry, Scotland. Scotland. Or Scotland. Or Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> there is the most jumbled preview of Super Saturday <laughs> you'll hear this week. Is that clear uh, for everybody? <laughs> yeah, absolutely clear. But there you go. Anyway, let's just run through those fixtures with you with our predictions thrown in there for you as well it all kicks off super saturday wales against italy 12 o'clock s4c here in the uk rachel burford said wales by eight i've said italy by three france against england quarter past two uh, from bayon uh rachel burford said england by six i've said england by 22 or 10 finishing up ireland against scotland at eight o'clock from the Kingspan in Belfast. Rachel Burford has said Ireland by five. I have said Ireland by two. Well, before we go, Berth, um a couple of little shout-outs. Actually, one apology. But I, I, I love having guests on, obviously, uh, and it's sort of always a treat to speak to, to, to Dame Scout. But, yeah, getting into the, the rubbish stuff with you, um, absolutely magical. Anyway, we will let you go. Um get your fishing kit and stuff sorted out for for next week uh, but there's an apology to our lovely lovely farmer who of course uh if you listen last week um you will know named a couple of lambs after birth and i louise chiswell we say she was from wales and just what a poor assumption um she's from leicestershire um, so huge apologies to Louise. She's going to keep us up to date with how the lambs are doing. But they're spending most of their days, as Louise said, <clears throat> perhaps I said it, um, lazing around and sunbathing. I said that was yeah, very like birth. <laughs> I wouldn't mind doing that, to be fair. Um, 
And a bit of um, humble brag part time right now, Johnny, because um, we're in the top 50 women's podcasts. So not just sport, but women's podcasts in the world on Feedspot. So just a big thank you, A, for you for producing all of this and editing and everything, but also to all of our listeners, um, because that is really special. Uh, the only other shout out is to, yeah, we, we, we think we, we, we do a little bit for the, for the women's game, but um, not even touching the, the sides here with... Um... This lady, uh, Ali Donnelly, the lady behind Scrum Queens, and as long as I've been doing this, she, she's been there and, and many, many years before writing about rugby, being involved in it, and constantly, I mean, Scrum Queens, the time and commitment that she and, and John Birch, must must mention John as well, um, but Ali is now an author. Uh, she has put all those years of experience and stories and tales into Scrum Queens, the story of women's rugby. Um, celebrating the first shoots and the initial growth of the women's game. So I can't wait to read that. It's on pre-sale now, so do look it up. A huge, huge thank you from everybody in the game, Ali, for, for everything you have done and continue to do. And this is a celebration of that, and we should all be reading it. And can I get a signed copy, please? Thank you very much. <laughs> and me. Oh, yeah, there's two then for the, for the WRPites. <laughs> um, but no, brilliant, Ali. And Ali will be joining us next week. Not for a book promo, although we shall allow her to do that. Um, but she's going to join Sarah Orchard, a BBC commentator um, who's been doing most of the, the England games for the Six Nations, um, to do our traditional annual Scrum Queens slash Women's Rugby Pod Six Nations Team of the Tournament. I've already started mine. Just a few ideas, putting them down. You're just doing it now. I get you. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we always look forward to that every year. Uh, and we will also, of course, go through the entire tournament and what uh, two experts of the women's game, Sarah and Ali, have made of the tournament as a whole. But as Berth said, thank you very much for listening, uh, our listeners, our loyal listeners. Much appreciated. Thank you very much to Tom. Uh, thank you very much to Emily Scarrett. Um, enjoy your fishing trip, Berth. <laughs> Until next time.